Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Steve Thompson in for Denny Long on our Smart Garden Show. Julie Weisenhorn is joining us from the University of Minnesota. And, of course, your call is a big part of the show. Here's the number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. And that is good for a call or a text. Well, Julie, a chilly morning. That freeze warning just expired. And I'm sure there's a, a lot of nervous folks. So hopefully they had those tender plants covered yeah, I hope so too, Steve. It's good to talk with you today. Yeah, and it really, uh, as as we move rapidly toward the middle of May, it is unusual, but it's not unprecedented that we will get cool temps and occasionally a freeze this late in the season. Yeah, and that's Minnesota gardening for you. You know, it's it's like we've had some beautiful seventy five degree days, and now we've had these uh, chance of frost and a few places that did get frost. And it is kind of uh, disconcerting, especially if you started your seeds outside or you put out some transplants. But uh, the damage is going to be probably minimal to these plants uh, unless they're very, very small. And, uh, and because a lot of our perennials have been acclimated to this kind of weather. They've been coming up little by little. It's not like they were just brought outside yesterday. So our perennials should be okay. Might see a little bit of cold damage along the edge of leaves, but that's okay. It's not going to kill the plant. All right, good news. And it's still a little early to put a lot of these crops out in the garden, so to speak. And that's another reminder. I typically am nervous, Nellie, when it comes to that stuff. And I I wait until Memorial Day weekend to to put the tomatoes and peppers out. And I'm going to stick to that for sure. Yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I it it's been really hard this year. I think be, between the stay-at-home orders and the you know the anxiety about that, and then people wanting to do something around their house, and we did have that really nice weather earlier this uh, you know in uh, April, and so I think it's people have been really anxious more so than usual to get outside and get planting. But it really is. It's only May ninth. It's not, you know, we're really, we have a lot of time left. And I'm like you, I wait till around Memorial Day weekend. Mother's Day is probably pretty good for central Minnesota. Northern Minnesota, we're waiting until early June to do some of that planting of those warm season crops like tomatoes. 
And our number on the program, great way to go, send a text, 651-989-9226, or use that same number to call the program. Julie Wise and the Horn is in. Another thing we should bring up right off the top, it is dry. It's been a very dry spring here, and I would think these plants need water, the perennials especially, but uh, even turf at this point of year probably could use a little water. Now it looks like we have rain moving in. Uh, later today and tonight here in the Twin Cities, maybe even a little snow, but uh, uh, yeah, it's dry. It's really dry, and and so yes, people should be watering, especially their lawns if they've seeded their lawns. It's important that they be watering them. And remember, with lawns, that we want to we want to water deeply. So don't just give it a little sprinkling, but be sure that you really soak that soil so that you get that seed. The seed is touching that soil, you have seed-to-soil contact, and then you're also getting some really good moisture in there. And it's the same with the perennials, too. If you haven't removed leaf mulch yet, that's a great thing to have on soil and wood mulch, too, but to help hold in that moisture, keep that valuable moisture down. I was reading Mark Seeley's Minnesota Weather Talk blog, which came out yesterday, and he recommends that, uh, he said there's a lot of water, a lot of moisture in the soil, but it's those top few inches. So if you have young plants, like if you've seeded, I've put out radish seeds, for example, you want to make sure that you do water to make sure that those seeds are, are not drying out. But there's a lot of water left in our soil from the previous year, so we don't have to worry about that. What we've got to do is get these young plants' roots uh, moist and keep them moist. Julie's joining us here on the Smart Garden Show on this Saturday morning. And let's get started on the text line today. Uh, some good ones right out of the great, uh, gate. Uh, put down some crabgrass preventer, and now it turned cold. Should I be concerned with a drop in soil temp? Well, it's not going, it may not activate it, but remember the soil is holding heat. So our air temperature is cold, but that soil has thawed out. And so that air, that soil temperature is probably in the 50s. I don't think you have to worry about that. Uh, it, it may not, uh, you know, the seeds aren't going to germinate, uh, the crabgrass seeds because it's so cold. But the, uh, and, and so, you know, the, you put down the preventers. I think you're in good shape. But remember, the soil is still holding heat. It's still uh, warm and thawed out. Uh, speaking of turf, my lawn has many bumps. Are, are they from night crawlers? Uh, do, you, do you think it would help to have someone uh, put one of those rollers to kind of smooth things out? You could do that. Uh, they could be from night crawlers. Uh, they could also be from bunch grasses that are growing like a quack grass or something to that effect. So you want to make sure that the bumps are actually in the soil. And then, uh, and yes, a roller would probably take care of that. Uh, a couple other on turf right out of the gate on the program, and it's a follow-up on watering. I've heard a lot of different advice. What is the best way to water a lawn? Oh, my goodness. That could be a whole show. <laughs> um, but, well, one thing is, um, you know, when you're looking at grass seed right now, you want to look, you want to be sure that you understand the types of conditions that you're seeding for. So if you have full sun or if you have a shady location, uh, we have fine fescues, which are becoming increasingly popular as long grasses, which are drought tolerant. And, uh, and so choosing a good grass seed is one thing. But when you're actually watering, we have something called a shoot-to-root ratio. And this means that if you water just very shallow 
if you just get the top inch or so moist, uh, your grass roots are going to stay in that top inch. You want them to grow really deeply. So you want to water deeply and infrequently. And the reason you do it infrequently is because if you water it a little every day, those roots stay up in that top surface and they never really grow deeply. So you want to water nice and deep, get all the, those inches of soil uh, wet and moist and so that those grass roots will grow deeply. And, uh, and then you want to cut your lawn a little bit long. Our turf scientists recommend three to three and a half inches. And because those blades, even though that grass, is, those blades are so tiny, they seem so insignificant, they're doing a lot of photosynthetic work to produce a really strong root system. And those deep roots are going to help your grass get through the drier conditions, like when we get into July and it gets really hot. We have cool season grasses here. They grow great in the spring and they grow really well in the fall. In the summer, they kind of go dormant. But having deep root systems that you develop in the spring help to keep your lawn nice and green and healthy through those drier conditions. So deeply and infrequently is the way you want to water. Very good. And that is, that is a, a, a good reminder, especially people with the automatic sprinkler systems. Some run those every day, and, and they're not on very long. So that, that's almost contrary, maybe once or twice a week and right. have them on longer, if you will. That's right. And, and even now, I mean, right now we have dry conditions, but you might even want to, you know, take another look at your, uh, at your watering system, your irrigation system. Maybe it was set up for last year's timing, but you want to really pay attention to it and set the timer so that you're getting those deep, infrequent waterings. And, uh, and then also, uh, again, remember to mow your lawn longer. Mow it at, you know, mow it to about, keep it at three, three and a half inches. Quick break. We have much more. We'll be going to the phone lines as well here on our Smart Garden Show. Julie Wise and Horn is in. Of course, you can reach the show by phone or text at 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. It is our Smart Garden Show each and every Saturday morning between 8 and 9. Julie Weisenhorn is joining us from the U and the website extension.umn.edu slash yard and garden. What a wonderful resource that is. And we start on the phone lines with Gary in Brooklyn Park. Gary, you're on the air with Julie. Well, good morning, Steve. Hello. I would like to find out if there's any way of getting rid of uh, borrows in my yard. I have a lot of bumps in my yard, and I'd like to find out if there's a product that can be used, and I will hang up and listen. I'd like to find out if there's... Oh, all right, Gary, uh, okay. Julie, about, we, we kind of brought up those bumps. Maybe they could be earthworms? Yeah, it could be earthworms. It could also be moles as well. Um, moles are a little harder to get rid of, and uh, in talking with our turf um, uh, folks at the U, Really trapping for moles is the only way to get rid of them. But as far as earthworms go, there's no products that you can apply that's, uh, to kill the earthworms. Um, so you really want to roll your lawn that way and then to encourage a really healthy lawn as well. So, uh, so uh, mowing longer, uh, watering deeply and infrequently, uh, weeding, uh, making sure that you're uh, dealing with the weeds as well. 
But, um, yeah, bumpy lawn. It can sometimes be different types of grasses, too. So you want to take a look at the, at the plants that are growing in your lawn and see if there's some bunchy grasses that maybe you want to dig those up and, and replace with uh, some seed, put down some seed that's more of the mix that you have in your lawn and try to get rid of that. So sometimes we think it's bumpiness like uh, soil, which it could be some of that, but you might also have some of those bunch grasses that make it uh, appear and feel kind of bumpy. Um, Julie, as I'm prepping my elevated vegetable gardens, uh, I've got them raised so the critters don't get in there. Um, I, I notice a lot of worms, earthworms. Is that a problem or is that a good thing? Well, earthworms earthworms are exotic here in Minnesota. We have no native earthworms. Most of the earthworms we find in our home landscapes are, you know, are fine. They're not going to hurt anything. They actually will help to break up clods and uh, kind of increase some of the pores in the soil. So uh, they're coming to the surface because it's warmer, and they're coming up for whatever, uh, you know, they're, they're just emerging from having been burrowed down through the winter. So you'll probably see more of them. And if you're preparing your soil and you're watering in seeds or you're watering in young transplants or new shrubs or something, they're going to come up looking for that moisture. Let's go to the phones again here on Smart Gardens. Bring in Connie in Minneapolis. Connie, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Love your show. Say I have two questions. One is I need to prune my rhododendrons uh, once they're done blooming, and I need advice for that. I'd like to prune them way back, but I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And the other question is I have beautiful shrub roses in my boulevard garden, and but they were just crawling with Japanese beetles last year, and I'd like to find an alternative to them. I'd like to pull them up and just get them out of there. Those Japanese beetles really bug me, pun intended. Thank you. Pruning, pruning your rhododendrons, yes, you would want to prune those after they bloom. And mine are just going to bud out here soon. They're just going to open up. I've got one flower blooming on my rhododendron here. Um, but, yeah, they're a great uh, broadleaf, ever, or broadleaf evergreen that we have here. So, yeah, prune those after they bloom. Uh, and then as far as shrub roses options, yeah, Japanese beetle is kind of a headache. That's for sure. It's an understatement, I know. And in a boulevard, you're going to want to choose a plant that's going to be a good height for that boulevard. You don't want to block any traffic. You don't want to block any any kind of sight lines or anything. And you want to choose a plant that's going to be relatively tough uh, for that site. And um, we have an excellent database on our extension website under the lawns and landscaping section under under landscape design. It's called the Plant Elements of Design. And you can enter in the conditions you have, so full sun or part shade or shade, and then the type of soil. In this case with the boulevard, maybe it's a drier soil. Uh, and then you can go ahead and plug that information in and get a list of some plants that would be uh, possibilities for that site. So you can find that at extension.umn.edu. And then uh, go to our uh, lawns and landscaping section. You can also just enter plant elements of design or plant database or plant selection into the search engine, and it will come up as well. Yeah, it is a great site. I go to it all the time when I have uh, questions during the week about uh, my yard and garden, that is for sure. Let's go to Alan St. Paul. You're on our Smart Garden Show. Good morning. 
Al? Annabelle Hydrangeas. All right. Maybe Al. How far back should oh, they be cut? Oh, yeah, good morning. How far back should they be cut in the spring of the year? For Annabelle Hydrangeas? I've heard actually yes. two I've heard two things, Al. I've heard cut them down to the ground, and I've heard cut them at about maybe 12 to 18 inches. So I think um, what, I, uh, what I understand is that when they're cut down to the ground, sometimes they can grow back weaker, the stems. They don't get those really robust stems. So I guess I would, if they were my plants, I would cut them down to a nice, healthy bud, uh, and I would cut them maybe to about 12 to 18 inches high, and, uh, and then kind of clear out some of the mulch around uh, some of the leaves and things, and, and that will allow any new stems from the base to come out too. So that's, I think, what I would do with the Annabelle hydrangeas. Very good, Al. Good luck with that. We're coming up on 829. We'll have the weather in a moment. Then much more on our Smart Garden Show, including uh, the cold weather overnight and the cold weather we've seen recently. Uh, what has that done to our apple trees? Because uh, many are starting to blossom right now. We'll get Julie's thoughts on that. And uh, what about uh, soil tests and vegetable gardens and proper fertilizer for your vegetable gardens? We'll get into all of that coming up here on our Smart Garden Show on a Saturday morning at News Talk, E3OWCCO. It is our Smart Garden Show on a Saturday morning. Julie Weisenhorn is in. The phone number is 651 989 That's good for a call or a text, 651 651- 989-9226. And, Julie, we had that freeze warning overnight. It's been a really chilly week here in the Twin Cities. Just a quick follow-up on that for folks that are just joining us. Uh, should folks be concerned about those perennials, uh, hostas, etc., cetera, uh, raspberries, uh, and what happened overnight, and, and really the cold temps all week? Well, I think that... Um, the- First of all, there's nothing we can do about it, so we have to just kind of roll with it. And uh, I think that um, you'll see maybe a little bit of cold damage on young leaves. It'll be along the edge of the leaves, but I don't believe it's going to kill the plants. Uh, These plants have been acclimating slowly but surely to the different temperatures. If they're hardy perennials, um, you know, they're... They're just growing a little bit slower maybe during these colder uh, times. But, you know, this is Minnesota gardening, and it's not unusual to have a frost, a late frost. Uh, It's not unusual to have 75 degrees in April or or even in, uh, you know, late March. So we have these kinds of ups and downs. And the plants that are really tried and true in our landscapes are going to be able to kind of flex with that. They've developed and evolved and been developed to, uh, to be able to tolerate those but if you see anything, you might just see a little bit of damage along the edge of leaves. Um, but uh, you can always push a little leaf mulch around the base of plants if you're really concerned. But um, it's going to be those little, the little seeds that you've started, those uh, more tender um, little seedlings that probably, you know, maybe some of those may not make it with the chill. But hopefully um, we'll get past this and we'll have, it sounds like we're going to have some nice weather down the line here. Yeah, by the end of the week, up around 70, and that'll feel great. Quick follow-up on that from our text line. What about apple and pear tree blossoms? I know I have two apple trees, an old Harrelson and a much newer Honeycrisp that uh, our neighbors out there in the front yard and get a lot of sun. Uh, should we be concerned about that? 
Well, I don't know if they've actually broken bud yet. Uh, from I, I haven't had a chance to talk to uh, any of our apple growers but um, or to our extension educators who work with the fruits. But um, I don't think that they've actually opened yet. And so I, they probably won't. Uh, you might see a little bit of damage along the edge of petals, for example, but um, but the, I think we're in the I think we're okay right now. It's when we get even later frosts that we have to worry about killing some of those buds. But um, I'm not an apple grower, so I'm not 100% sure. But uh, but it's uh, you know I think we're I think we'll be okay. All right. Yeah, I look forward to that apple crop uh, every autumn. That's for sure. Let's go Are to Kathy in New Brighton. Yeah, it it just just barely. Uh, you 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 can see that that there's they're starting to flower, but just barely. And right. it came in on the text line as well. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of folks with apple trees kind of wondering what what these cold temps. Because I I heard earlier in the morning uh, from somewhere in the White Bear Lake area that they, they were down around 28 degrees for a couple hours. Wow. Uh, in the wee hours of the morning, so so very That's cold here in cold. parts of the metro. Yeah, yeah and it's going to depend where the trees are. Yours are out in like a full sun area. If they're down in a valley area that they where the cold kind of settles, that might be more of a problem. Yeah, yeah, my, mine are uh, out in the front yard uh, and uh, in a pretty good spot. Let's go to Kathy in New Brighton. Kathy, you're on with Julie. Hello. Hey, good morning. Say, I have a problem with my front yard. It's um, it's just dead. I don't know if it's just dying grass or there's a, a fungus in there, but um, I think the more I'm raking it, the worse it gets. So now it's practically the whole front yard. And they suggested uh, rotor chillering it twice and then aerating it and then planting new seeds. Uh, my concern is uh, then I'll have pretty much mud, and if it rains, uh, you know, will it last, or am I still going to have to put in a new yard, all new grass? Well, it sounds like, uh, do you have any idea why it died? No, I have no idea. It just, uh, and the funny part about it is on the other side of the driveway, it's green and everything, because I don't rig this this stuff over there to there. So that part's all green. And it's this part. It's now the front yard looks, I mean, it's just terrible. Was it, was the lawn, uh, did it look good at all last year? No, it, it's kind of started last year and maybe the year before. It's just kind of gradually. And I just, and the more I rake it, you know, the more it spreads. Okay. Uh, it sounds to me like Maybe have a, a lawn. Maybe there's a lawn fungus or disease that's going on there. Um, uh, I I take it when you said they recommended rototilling twice and seeding. You're talking about a lawn care. No, uh, I'm we sorry, do... it wasn't. It was just some oh, helpful okay. friends. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends are very helpful, so they are. <laughs> the uh, the issue that you'll have with uh, Seeding such a large area is exactly that, is that it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be kind of a big a mud bath at, for a little while at least. But I, I would actually, for a large area like that, that would be the time to get a lawn care company in there to professionally do something. So uh, I would lean instead of, um, instead of seeding directly, I would lean to like a spray uh, where they do a, a they spray.
spray on the seed mixed in with fertilizer. It's kind of a greenish color. And, uh, and I would lean towards something like that instead of putting down uh, just the seed and uh, a growing mat or something. Or I would sod it. So um, some, we usually recommend seeding to uh, renovate a lawn because it blends in better with what lawn you have. But the important thing is, and the reason you should get a lawn care company in there is you've, if you've got a disease going on and you said it's been spreading, uh, that was pretty key for me to say, yeah, something's happening there. And uh, you want to find out what that is before you invest in a new lawn. So I would recommend um, going to the Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association website, mnla.biz, and look up lawn care companies. I think you can put your uh, zip code in there and find uh, lawn care companies in your area. Or if you have uh, one of those helpful friends who's had really good luck, with uh, a lawn care company is to get a good word, of, you know, word of mouth is a great way to find a landscape professional. So um, because it's most of your front yard and it does sound like something is spreading through your lawn, that's a time to call in a pro. All right, very good. Good luck with that, Kathy. That, that can be a challenge. I, I'm a big believer in sod. When it goes that bad, uh, <laughs> bringing in sod all of a sudden wow it looks great when, when, when it's a lot of work if you've done a do-it-yourself sod job and over the years i i've done that but uh it it is a miracle it, it's great stuff and it, and one of the things to remember with sod put down plenty of water it right it, it, yeah you're certainly gonna need it and sodding early this is a good time to side because the temperatures are really cool so it's um it's great to uh it's it's great to uh, to do that now. This is a great time to sod, and keeping it watered is important, uh, as Steve said. And uh, follow up uh, from earlier before the break, we talked about a uh, text line question that came in very early, and uh, someone got a soil test on uh, the, their vegetable garden, and they were recommended uh, getting uh, some fertilizer. Um, let's talk a little bit about that as people get ready to put their plants in the garden and they want to make sure everything gets off to a good start. What do you recommend? Do you always need a soil test or is there a general fertilizer that are going to help jumpstart those new veggies? That is an excellent question. So if you have never had a soil test done and you have a vegetable garden, vegetables use a lot of nutrients. I would have a soil test done, especially if you've had kind of questionable results in the in earlier years. A soil test is $17. It, there are full instructions and a form to fill out on the soil testing laboratory website at the U of M. And uh, you can find that link on our extension site. You can also uh, mail in that sample. They're accepting mail-in samples now only. You cannot drop one off because of the, uh, the COVID situation. And so, uh, so you mail that in, and they send back. It takes about maybe five to ten days to get back a sample. They're pretty busy at this time of year. So, but they work quickly, and they're super efficient. And they recommend, they'll send back recommendations and tell you all about your soil, pH, organic matter, the texture of your soil, which has to do with drainage. Also recommendations for fertilizers based on the type of plants you plan to grow in that soil. So you have a vegetable garden. You mark that off, send in your soil, get your soil test back. So then what do you do with the information? First of all, they also send excellent instructions about how to understand your soil test. 
and also good information on their website as well. When you are getting ready to plant your vegetable garden, that is the time to do the soil amending. So if, they rec if the soil test results recommend adding organic matter, such as compost, that's the time to do it. Don't try to do it after you plant. It's a lot harder. Same with adding fertilizer. Uh, a slow-release fertilizer is a great option for raised beds. It releases soil little by little over a period of time. You maybe have to add a little bit more and work it in around your plants. Oh, maybe, you know, halfway through the summer or so. Some plants, some vegetables are bigger feeders than others. They require more nutrients, and you can find out about that on our extension site. I also want to remind people that we have an excellent blog called the Yard and Garden News, and in that blog, we have extension educators in vegetables, fruits. I write for it. We have other people writing for it as well, and they're writing about timely information. So I know Natalie Hoytel, who is our extension educator in vegetables, has been writing about small space and raised containers and uh, starting your vegetables. So that's a great resource in addition to our website. Quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show with Julie Wise and Horn. And, of course, uh, the website is uh, outstanding. Uh, one of my favorites, extension.umn.edu, Yard and Garden. So many great uh, stories and uh, so much great information at that site. 14 minutes now in front of 9 o'clock. We'll come back uh, with more. Of course, uh, the phone number is 651-989-9226, and that's good for a call or a text here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk, 830-WCCO. 8.50, 10 minutes now in front of 9 on a cool Saturday morning. Our Smart Garden Show continues with Julie Wise and Horn. Time is very tight. The hour goes so quickly. Let's go to the phone store. The in Minneapolis, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. I have some uh, lawn weeds that are coming up, and I also need to do some seeding in those patches. So if I spray the weeds first, which is what I assume I need to do, then how long do I need to, what kind of space do I need in between before I seed? And am I still okay to, to be seeding now in, in May? Sure, yeah. This is a good time to, and also uh, what you want to do is when, when you're, whenever you're using any kind of a chemical, you want to read the label, and the label is going to instruct you as to how long to wait before you can seed. Truly, to spray a broad, like a broadleaf herbicide, on those uh, plants, uh, on those weeds, chances are it's not going to affect seeding. Um, you wouldn't want to put a pre-emergent down. Pre-emergent will prevent seed from germinating. But usually, broadleaf herbicide, it'll tell you on the back of the label. You want to follow that label, and that includes, uh, you know, how to mix it if it's not pre-mixed and then any uh, protective gear like gloves or goggles or anything to wear as well. You can also dig out uh, weeds as well. That's another option. So, uh, so read the label, and then be sure that whatever seed you are putting down, you're, you're choosing seed that is uh, applicable to the kinds of conditions that you are growing in, full sun or shade, and be sure that you have a seed-to-soil contact. In other words, make sure that seed is touching the soil. That is what's going to uh, help it germinate the best. And keep it moist. We go to Ken and Blaine next. You're on with Julie. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, I have a question on daffodils. Uh, I have a, uh, a garden that I have daffodils that I planted last uh, fall. And um, 
all of them came up. I think it's like 20 or 25, but only five of them are booming. Why would that be? Boy, that's a good question. We have an excellent uh, uh, article on daffodils, if you're interested in reading about that on our Yard and Garden News. Usually, what I understand from bulbs is when they don't, when they don't bloom, it's a couple of things. One is when you, when, you water, or when you plant them in the fall, you need to also water them. And, uh, and lots of times we'll plant them, and then we kind of, you know, it gets cold, and we kind of forget about them. But you want to make sure that you keep that you do apply some water to those bulbs. That's one thing. The second thing is if they haven't bloomed now, it could be actually that they're not getting enough sun. So you know your conditions, uh, but we sometimes think that we can plant these bulbs underneath trees and they look so kind of naturalized, but in reality they're not getting enough sun to actually set buds. Um, so that could be part of the reason as well. All right, very good, Ken. We don't have uh, time to be fair to another caller. Real quick one uh, from our text line at 651-989-9226. When should I spray my crabapple tree to prevent apple scab? I'm going to refer this person to our pest management page on apple trees, and that's in our extension.umn.edu, and go to our fruit section and there's a whole publication on pest management for apples and i would recommend that you take a look at that all right uh very good uh, one other uh quickie from our text line have an organic garden uh where do you find creeping charlie plants commercially i use it for tea so here's someone who wants creeping charlie <laughs> You know what? Uh, I think if you put that on Facebook, you'll get a lot of givers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I, think I, they sell it commercially in Minnesota. It's an action. Well, you know, well, you know, and Julie, I, I thought I would bring it up because it, right at the very end, we get a creeping Charlie question, and it's love someone it. who wants creeping Charlie. How about it. that? I love it. Well, I want to uh, wish my uh, I want to wish my mom and all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. My mom is responsible for getting me into horticulture. So thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, that that is outstanding. Yes, happy Mother's Day, of course, the day before. Uh, hopefully everyone has a great Mother's Day. And, Julie, we've got about a minute left. Once again, the website, so many great resources at that website, extension.umn.edu, uh, Yard and Garden. I use it all the time, and folks should definitely make that one of their favorites. Bookmark that page. Yeah, and subscribe to our Yard and Garden news blog. We're also on Facebook as well under U of M Yard and Garden. So, yeah, join us online. Uh, read the blog. It's got timely information. It comes out every couple of weeks. And, in fact, there's a great publication there about lawn care. So all of you didn't get your lawn care questions answered. There's a link, to to our Minnesota lawn care calendar, which really helps you with the timing of, of caring for your lawn. Outstanding. Have a great day, Julie. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. All right, Julie Wise and Horn once again from the U here on our Smart Garden Show each and every Saturday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. Once again, uh, thanks for all the great calls and texts, and we apologize to the folks that didn't get on the air today, but we'll be back again next Saturday morning following the news at 8 a.m. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.